Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. It is indeed another episode of Talking CFD, the show where I bend the ear of entrepreneurs in the CFD space to find out how they've grown their businesses so that we can do the same. Today, I'm talking with Wolfgang Gensch of UberCloud, home to a whole host of offerings based around the adoption of cloud HPC for simulation. Welcome to the show, Wolfgang. Hi, Robin. Before I dive into um, UberCloud, and I am a cloudy CFD guy, so I could talk cloudiness all day long. But before I dive into that, I'm going to be going to jump in the uh, in the DeLorean and go back in time because this is not your first rodeo, Wolfgang, is it? You've um, set up companies before, and I think the one that uh, might stand out for um, for CFD people is um, your grid engine um, from Gridware, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so you've founded companies, built companies, sold companies. You've 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 been there and, and done the lot. So hopefully you've uh, you've got some experience that we can uh, we can delve into. Do you want to give us a bit of a um, a bit of background as to uh, to what UberCloud is now, and then maybe we'll dig into uh, how it came about and how what, how it turned into what it is now? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, so UberCloud started very different when you compare it, for example, with, with the Grid Engine Company in the 90s. Uh, Grid Engine Company, which was called Gridware, uh, came uh, just uh, you know, to start uh, because I was more and more busy, too busy, too busy. And uh, so I decided to separate this specific work on high-performance computing consulting then uh, into a company. And uh, it was almost by itself that it grew and grew and grew. It was the time of parallel computing. Mm. So very different now uh, in 2012, then everybody all already was talking about cloud computing. Uh, also almost not in uh, know, computer-aided engineering, in high-performance computing, etc. I got an email from... Uh, someone called Borag Yenir, who said, uh, hey, Wolfgang, why aren't you using cloud computing in HPC, high-performance computing and engineering, while we on the enterprise side, and Borag was then the vice president of cloud computing for Pfizer, for large financial services company. So while we on you know, the enterprise side are using cloud computing already for a few years, and... Uh, that was the start of a very interesting discussion because I uh, mentioned about five really heavy roadblocks in our community, which uh, uh, were not on his side, in the enterprise side. And uh, I'm sure we get back to that a little bit later, Robin. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, will, uh, yeah, I will skip that. Uh, and uh, so this interesting discussion uh, resulted in, uh, you know, three weeks later, I was jumping in the plane from Germany to San Francisco, and we were basically closing the door behind us in his uh, uh, private office. And for one week, we were discussing, hashing out a plan, how to approach this uh, much more complex topic, more complex than it. this similar topic uh, you find in on the enterprise side. And uh, at the end of this week, we said, uh, uh, we don't know anything, you know, for... Uh, for sure. So we have to explore it. And that was the start of our UberCloud experiments. And so that's how the company started and evolved uh, 
very naturally. So we didn't have a real plan to build a company only after about half a year when we saw the growing traction of what we did, the growing interest in the user community and in the service provider community like the software providers, the cloud providers, etc. So when we saw that and we improved the experiments quite a bit, uh, then we thought about why not starting a company around this whole topic. So that's how it started, Robin. So what I what I find quite interesting about that is the um, I don't know if you're familiar with kind of uh, the lean startup and, and um, Steve Blank and Eric Reese and their their lean methods of, of building companies, which talk about um, rather than um, hunkering down and building something that you think people need. Um, spending six months to a year doing that and spending lots of money doing that. You go and you talk to the people that you want to serve and find out what they actually need because it probably isn't what you originally thought out. Um, and I see echoes of that um, in what you did with the experiment phase. So you're getting people together and you're finding out what the actual problems are. Does that is that is that a fair analysis? Yeah, so this is... Yeah, this is absolutely correct. Also, I mean, yeah, I'm uh, familiar with uh, the lean concept, but it was not our major idea to start that. Our major idea really was uh, we have no real clue. There was no real solid information about uh, why cloud computing does not uh, you know, fly in our high-performance computing, engineering, scientific application community. Uh, so... We said uh, we simply have to talk to this guy and ideally to work with these guys to jointly together with the end user and with the providers to face the challenges and the pains. And uh, then later on, we said we can discuss um, how we can potentially solve them. But the first step was really the first half year was really about we have to know more uh, about what's going on in the community and uh, why. I mean, we talked to a few like uh, cloud providers, and they at those days in 2012, they all complained. Uh, there were already about 50 cloud providers uh, <laughs> in 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 our, in our kind of radar, but uh, everybody said, "No, there are no engineers coming. No, there are no customers. No. Uh, some of these cloud providers have built real, you know, HPC high performance mm. computing, cloud, uh, and infrastructures." But uh, there was almost no activity on these. So that's why we really said you know, we have to know. And uh, we were simply curious. At the end of, uh, after about half a year, we wrote some, uh, kind of a summary about the major seven to eight pain factors in the community. But that, that moment, we didn't have a clue how to resolve them. Out of interest, when you were talking to the engineers and at, at the same time, were the engineers saying a similar thing to the uh, the HPC providers? Were they saying, well, nobody's coming forward to um, to help us, and just as the HPC guys were saying, well, none of the engineers are coming forward? Was it a case of both sides thinking that the other side didn't want to, uh, to take part? So uh, the uh, resource providers, the cloud providers, they were really eager to move forward, uh, but they had challenges to approach the software providers, the ISVs, who then at that time mostly you know, were really, uh, they, they, they stick to their annual perpetual license. Absolutely. Very few of them. They were thinking about uh, 
you know, more on-demand uh, licensing, modeling uh, up to or down to very short time in, in hours or in, in, in a few days. Uh, so uh, uh, that was the ISVs. And then the cloud providers also approached uh, end users in the industry, engineers, and didn't get almost you know, no response from the real end user community. I mean, the end users obviously are the most important uh, uh, ingredients in, uh, in this uh, recipe, so to speak. Uh, they are finally the ones uh, who should have a need for uh, more CPU time, for, you know, for running more jobs, larger jobs, more complex jobs in a shorter time, etc. You know, there should be a market pressure, there should be a competitive pressure out there. Much easier for them to pull that through than uh, for the ISVs and um, service providers to try and push that from the other side. So ideally, really, you create a vibrant environment. And that, that was after, after a while, that was our idea to create a vibrant environment where everybody saw his chance and his opportunity, uh, you know, on the consumer side, it was the engineers and the scientists uh, with the pain to not having enough compute power on their desk, uh, but uh, the opportunity then to look into the cloud with almost infinite, uh, uh, you know, in, infinity number of servers yeah, yeah. sitting there and waiting. Uh, so on, on that side, while uh, on the other side, the ISVs, independent software vendors and the cloud providers they really faced the challenge how to reach out to the end user, to, to the engineer who already had tons of projects on his table and didn't have a minute to spend on new technologies, new opportunities, etc. So that, that was the situation in the early days which we faced. And uh, it took a long time uh, until, you know, at least some of them uh, we were able to wake up, so to speak. As soon as they got it, usually, the, I mean, the engineers, then they were very excited. And uh, while in the very beginning, it was very difficult to attract end users to the experiments, uh, after round one, which was about 25, which was, was exactly 25 experiments, uh, where then 13 failed, uh, interesting enough. Oh, right. We can talk about that as well. Yeah, right. Uh, so, and we published the first compendium and we published about 20 plus articles in different magazines. Then in a sudden, the idea was to stop these experiments and to do the next step. Uh, the experiments still today are an important ingredient in our whole ecosystem. Yeah, sort of a foundation. It is, yeah, it is definitely a great place to start for uh, the engineers and their service providers to get together to work on something with no stress. It, you know, everything is free, voluntary. It is a crowdsourcing approach. Everybody's helping everybody else, learning from you know, each other and writing a little case study at the end, you know, using it internally or even publishing it to the wider community with, uh, you know, benefits, lessons learned, recommendations so that everybody benefits. Because I imagine knowing a few engineers the uh, the initial response well that's not going to work for me that's not going to fit in my scenario um, that's not going to fit my workflow and then being able to see that other people have gone and done something similar oh yeah maybe maybe it will work for us exactly um i mean uh, there, are, there are as always you know there is less than one percent early adopters uh, who have a very I mean, number one, who feel a 
very big pain. Uh, you know, they, they, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and there's a deadline which uh, they are sure they cannot reach, etc. Hmm. Uh, there are these, all these these other early adopters who, by DNA, uh, are early adopters. You know, they want to always be at the edge and try it out and uh, spend some budget on that and so on. And uh, those are really usually the ones, I mean, who move forward. I mean, we know, we see uh, a lot of great companies in that space who innovate, 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 innovate. Yeah, yeah. So, so you find these uh, also in our community. Uh, but uh, most of the 99% of our community is really, they want to see it first. Yeah? We also, therefore, we developed uh, not only the concept of experiments, but uh, now we have a real you know, interactive uh, demo trials, etc., which everybody can use, can can try out, and you know, and uh, and uh, yeah, and learn from that. We do webinars. We do, as I said, lots of articles. Uh, so this is all. I mean, if you ask me, so how our business is uh, basically subdivided? We have this. Uh, little slogan which you can read everywhere discover try and buy so the discovery is uh, where people learn you know we have our newsletters and uh, webinars especially uh, with real hands-on interactive real-time demos uh, in uh, a few clouds you know we take just the one which is available at the time of the webinar right? because everything is ready to go i guess you're less demonstrating the cloud itself and more demonstrating the idea yeah 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 that's that's right and uh, yeah and and uh, for for us it is not the cloud which is uh the most important thing no and uh, the cloud should really be and and with with what we did over the last three years uh, the cloud itself is invisible yeah I, I i mean the whole platform for the end user this this is this is the real differentiator uh, to everything else what exists currently uh, so uh, the access to the application for for the for the end user for the engineer uh, this access is the same as it is for your local desktop yeah so there is no difference because in all experiments you know when we interviewed our users they all said no i have so much to do and i learned all my life so I don't want to learn anything new. <laughs> so there is no platform, there is no user interface, no, no, you know, no, no additional one. Uh, there are no additional commands, etc. So it's really uh, the engineer immediately feels home because it looks like his or her own desktop, uh, and in fact, it's a virtual desktop sitting on much more powerful resources. But it is. The same way to handle it. So UberCloud evolved from um, the experiments into kind of adding the marketplace element to it, making it more accessible mm -hmm. for people to um, sort of almost matching people who wanted that that capability with people who could provide it. So as a sort of second second stage of the business, but then that's mm -hmm. moving on further into more of a uh, platform offering. Yeah, yeah, that's very correct. Um, so we we thought about building something which is hopefully very useful for the whole community. And the whole community, I mean, uh, it not only consists of the end users on the one side, you know, the engineers and scientists, but uh, in fact of uh, a wide spectrum of uh, service provider ecosystem almost. You know, these are certainly the cloud providers, but then, I mean, the major players in that space are indeed the software providers, be it uh, the commercial 
software providers, the ISVs, or even be it in-house software providers. There are so much software out there which is written within companies in their R&D departments, which are you know, running on a daily basis in production, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, all this very different software is looking for more powerful resources somehow. And then there are all these, these consultants. You know, th this is a great opportunity, so cloud you know, for real applications is a great opportunity for all our freelancers, consultants, uh, be it uh, small companies or even, uh, you know, one man, one lady shows, so to speak, right? Uh, they, they all find something in this new uh, ecosystem. Yeah, it's an, an enabling technology. And speaking of enabling technologies, I think it would be fair to say that Docker and containerization has been an enabling technology. There seems to be almost the perfect storm of, of um, Docker plus remotely accessible HPC is um, potentially huge for, for our industry. Mm -hmm. and, and I know you guys are where very early on that. Do you want to talk us through mm -hmm. how important things like Docker and containerization are to to you guys, and, and what what you see the main the main benefits of them for for our community? We were very lucky. It was really luck uh, that uh, in early two thousand and thirteen, just around our corner, our headquarters are uh, in Silicon Valley, and in San Francisco, there was just the very first announcement of a company called Docker. Uh, about containers and uh, my partner Burak in here uh, he called me and said Wolfgang you have to come over uh, there is a new kid on the block literally <laughs> literally yeah uh, Docker and uh, so while Docker and HPC uh, were not made for each other yeah? Doc Docker was made for enterprise applications web services based uh, uh, they, they call it also I mean the whole community there uh, they call it uh, you know containers for microservices yeah yeah that's that's a word they use uh, permanently our community knows well that we don't deal with deal with microservices okay we, we simply say to, to, to get the analogy uh, we simply say macro service. Yeah. Docker was very uh, yeah, inappropriate, so to speak. So not yet suitable for uh, you know our workflows with uh, many different codes, you know, pre-processing, mm. main, and post-processing, and uh, a lot of a lot of these things, and you know, parallel computing like MPI, for example. Mm. Uh, and uh, and and all the other stuff, you know, remote visualization and you name it, uh, licensing. You know, our containers now have each of they have their own license server. But you know, so so we developed something like we usually say twenty to thirty additional features, uh, not into Docker. That would be stupid, because Docker is open source, and uh, they provide a beautiful platform for you know packageability, portability, stackability, and all that very nice stuff. So basically, we put what we call HPC features, you know, whatever you need to build an HPC desktop, so to speak. Hmm. We build it all on top. And uh, whenever Docker is coming out with something new, we remove the uh, underlying Docker layer and uh, uh, you know, come in with the new version which uh, the whole community, and it's a huge community in the meantime, uh, and uh, with very nice funding. So they move along very fast. And uh, we are riding this wave, basically. 
we put always you know our latest and greatest uh, HPC related uh, feature set on top, and immediately we have the next uh, Docker based uh, uh, container you know application container ready to go. And uh, the the beauty is now to your question about the benefits. The same benefits, basically, as Docker provides to the enterprise community, now our UberCloud container provides to the HPC and uh, CAE and other end-user communities, and certainly also, especially for the ISVs, they benefit hugely, uh, and uh, the resource providers as well. Uh, imagine, uh, that's why on our website you see a little, uh, a very exciting video about the Oakland Harbor, uh, you know, when in 65, basically the real containers came to life, new harbors uh, came up because now, I mean, uh, everything was based on containers in a sudden. Before that, it was chaos. Right? I mean, uh, there was no real useful, meaningful packaging methods. And uh, it, it was all different, different, different sizes. Yeah. Now, in a sudden, you had these containers and uh, you, you immediately uh, they built container ships, they built container harbors. And uh, basically, when you look closer, containers were one of the very instrumental enablers of the global economy. And that's why we are so excited because we can see that, uh, okay, we will not create a global economy for software but it will have a strong impact on things like you know packageability meaning you package it once and it runs everywhere on your workstation on your server or in any cloud be it private hybrid public it's completely portable now no vendor lock in anymore which was one of the concerns uh, in the past of uh, our engineers uh, and then the next one is, uh, uh, so so this packageability enables portability to everything which I mentioned. And then for the end user, it is really easy access and use. The end user gets a URL uh, and uh, types it in, gets a password, types it in, and then he or she is right in the middle of their own specific application container, ships the data over in many, in, in different ways, and is ready to go. Uh, our experiments... Uh, uh, usually in the early days, like the first 50, they took about three months, you know, to onboard everybody and bring everybody to life and get the results back. Uh, while now they take under a day. You basically access the container, you throw in your data, you do your runs, and then you get everything back, remote visualization and uh, or, or the whole set, and you're done. Uh, you have even time at the day to write a little case study according <laughs> to a template which we have uh, so that you can publish it, right? And and while, as I said, in the round one, uh, the experiments uh, took about three months and about half of them failed. Now, in round seven, with based on these containers, our experiments take a day or two, depending on when you have time. It's it's all now really up to you to spend the time. Yeah, uh, and no experiment uh, since I think about the last the last twenty five or so, n no one failed anymore. So oh, they all went through seamlessly. Yeah, so that's the progress we are talking about. Yeah. So I wonder if a lesson for people building their own businesses, whether that's a product business or a services business in, in our space, is whilst you might be tucked away, heads down, working uh, away in a particular direction, it's important to pop your head up, 
once in a while and have a look around and see what's um, see what's emerging because you don't know when the next docker is going to spring up and uh, if you guys hadn't noticed Ubercloud I imagine would probably look quite different we were lucky enough that this came at an early stage where we already had the insight about all these pain factors and the ideas how to resolve them but we got stuck on our way until docker came around and uh, I, I I see that that great point of the situation where we were sitting you know after fifteen minutes uh, into that uh, docker first docker workshop, so Borak pushed me on the, in the side and said, "You know Wolfgang what that's it yeah. okay, so and then we went home and we put our first open foam container together, <laughs> which still took us about a year then uh, to make it really. Uh, how do you say, uh, shining you know, to make it really uh, nicely working. And uh, then it took another year to make it multi-container, multi-node. Mm. So it could really scale up to 1,024 cores. So that, that was what our benchmarks then did. But uh, uh, I mean, uh, when, when you want to build a company, you don't want to bet on something which doesn't exist in these early days. So the the best thing we did was really hand in hand working with the end users. Right? I mean, we very early we already had a com- community. You know, after about half a year or so, we had a community of, of about one thousand uh, companies and individuals uh, who were you know actively registering and participating in these experiments. So that's probably one of the key takeaways of this, really, that it's been such a big success because you've gathered a community around an idea and helped facilitate and, and grow that idea into something into something useful for people by listening to what they what they need and what their pain points are and addressing those pain points directly, not the pain points that necessarily you addressed or somebody else addressed, but that they that were hurting them. You're providing a, a painkiller rather than a vitamin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it 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 is a real it is a real painkiller. So, what's next for UberCloud? What can you share with us? What or do we just need to uh, to keep our eyes peeled and watch? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, we were so one 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 thing is uh, th- there are a few things uh, which which I want to want to just mention. So, uh, what what I heard in the early days uh, of uh, you know my startup life, some people said, "Oh, just do it." Yeah, uh, you will go to the market, and uh, you will, you will, yeah, you will see what happens. <laughs> uh, this is no longer valid, not at all. I mean, there is this beautiful film, uh, which I really love, uh, uh, with uh, Kevin Costner. Let me think, uh, Field of Dreams, right? Uh, this is this is a wonderful, you know, baseball thing, and where he's walking through his cornfield, and then he hears a voice: "If you build it, he will come." <laughs> And, and this is a, yeah, this is a slogan uh, which, uh, uh, like the business world uses here and there, but which in in our situation, I mean in our uh, like engineering world, this will not work. Right? I mean you have to closely work together with the customers. Therefore, to answer your question with uh, with a point number one is, yeah, uh, try hard to continue to work with your users, with your future users. Uh, on 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 all sides, so with the whole uh, constituencies uh, ecosystem, this is extremely important to really listen to the heartbeat, uh, uh, and as we say here in German, to to listen to the grass growing, so to speak, 
Right. So the other thing is it always takes longer than you think. Uh, so that that's that's something. Uh, I mean, it, it took us three years from the start to now uh, to go to market finally. And uh, so the next step is really, I mean, we, we just started basically to seriously go to market. We have developed our go to market strategy over the last six months together with other professional people then uh, uh, and uh, have developed the business model, uh, have evaluated it, have tested it with the community. So also, you know, the price is extremely important. How much can you charge uh, so that you still solve, help solve a great problem, but that you don't give away everything for free? Because, I mean, also this company, if we go out of business now, there are a few hundred of uh, users, customers, etc., who start depending on this. Yeah. Uh, so there is a responsibility. So we have to ask for a price to pay our people. Uh, and uh, I mean, in the meantime, we we hired, uh, you know, full-time employees uh, and still work with uh, another uh, dozen of uh, consultants to make it lean again. Uh, so this is very important. So this is, this is another one. Uh, so the... Uh, uh, yeah, the go-to-market strategy. It takes longer and and it costs more than you think. <laughs> so be yeah, be prepared for that, right? So uh, to avoid surprises, right? I mean, uh, over ninety percent of uh, startup companies uh, they go out of business within their second year. So you've cleared that hurdle. Yeah, we recently learned that from. We, we are sitting currently in a in an incubator center together with other startups and so these numbers are very common you know. uh -huh. yeah so so our next step is really what i mentioned it is the go-to-market we work very close with uh, isvs and with end users uh, and uh, we have over 50 cloud providers in the mix who uh, whenever they got approached by an end user they say okay we need this software container we need that software container so in the meantime we have about 15 16 different software containers uh, up and running, ready to go. And I mean, the pain is on our side. We have to do the containerization. Whenever a new release is coming, you know, 16.2 or so, then uh, uh, you have to do the new container. But we do it, you know, again, containerize once and then it runs everywhere. And uh, so the ISVs don't have it to do it anymore. The cloud providers don't have to do it anymore. And the end users don't have to do it anymore. Whenever a piece of new software is coming, I mean, usually you install it, you test it, you evaluate it, and only then it's ready for production, right? That can take a week and that can take easily one or two person weeks. So all that is now at your fingertip. Excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on here, Wolfgang. If people want to find out more about UberCloud, where should they go? Uh, the standard one, so to speak, is uh, we have a help site. So it is http://theubercloud.com slash help. Uh, it is a help button also on our website. Uh, but also Wolfgang at uh, theubercloud.com is another good way to contact me. Uh, I'm always pleased to talk to people in person. Uh, and to really look at their, the specific situation. Otherwise, uh, if anybody wants to stay uh, on top of uh, you know, this new trend, get regular information, we have, I think, a nice newsletter which picks feature stories from about 10 of our media partners. Uh, so you re just register. Yeah, there is a register button also on our website. And that's it. Yeah, cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, I can vouch for Wolfgang's newsletter. Um
get get on that. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Robin. And uh, see you soon again somewhere. Well, I guess you're still listening. You must have got something out of this. So why not hop over to TalkingCFD.com and sign up for the mailing list? Be good to have you. You'll get updates of new episodes and also more info about the end of season roundtable that I'm planning, where you can join me and some of this season's guests live for a little Q&A session. If that's your speed, then drop your email in the box at TalkingCFD.com and I'll keep you in the loop. See you next time.